Welcome to From Earning to Learning, the podcast where we talk about all things education. I'm your host, Dave Franjosen. Welcome to episode 17 of From Earning to Learning. I'm Dave Franjosa. There's been a lot of discussion about equity in education, and even more so recently with COVID shining a spotlight on many of the inefficiencies in our current educational model. Now, I'm not an expert in equity, but it is central to the reflections on my teaching and changes that I make in the classroom. But if you're looking for experts, um, there's a few really good people out there. Dr. Josue Falez uh, with GOMO Educational Services, um, Ken Shelton, Dr. Sheldon Akins with Leading Equity Center. Um, you know, those are just a few of a lot of great resources that you can find out there. Um, but the, the challenge as I see it that arises when we discuss equity, um, it's that the topic is so massive, you know, but many people are looking at it through a very narrow lens and, you know, there's even more that conflate equity and equality. So first let's, let's start with that. Let's distinguish between equality and equity. So equality is where everyone gets the same thing, regardless of need. So for instance, if we were to go out to dinner and everyone was served a perfectly prepared lobster, everyone's getting the exact same thing, equality. The problem with that is, well, I'm allergic to shellfish. So even though it's the same dinner as everyone else, it's useless to me, right? Like I can't eat it and I'll still be hungry after the meal. So I'm not getting what I need. So to correct for that, the restaurant would offer me something that didn't contain shellfish that I could eat. That's equity. You know, I'm now getting what I need, even though it's different from what everyone else is getting. And I'm sure most people would think that this is reasonable. So I do think that people grasp the differences between equity and equality. But when we try to apply that to education, this is where it becomes contentious. And I I don't think that many would disagree with the statement, children should be given the resources necessary for them to thrive. If they do disagree with that statement, they shouldn't be in education and they shouldn't have any say in shaping educational policy. That's just my opinion. But this brings me back to the massive scale of equity. Every single student is different. They all have different strengths, areas of opportunity, and needs. And the same student might have different needs on a different day. So some of these needs arise from race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, academic ability, native language, and this is far from an exhaustive list. So how, as a teacher, can you address all of these students, right? If their needs are so varied and have the potential to be constantly changing, 
The approach in the past has been to throw money at the problem and increase standardized testing to hold teachers and districts accountable for closing the achievement gap. Think of things like No Child Left Behind and Race to the Top. This does very little to change the conditions in the classroom. In fact, it can actually deepen the existing problem. On top of ranking and sorting students through grades and test scores, we now rank and sort schools in a similar fashion. Some boards of ed and communities place an undue emphasis on these scores, and many exert pressure to perform on these tests. This often pushes curriculum and pedagogy further from equity. It becomes about performance over need. And teachers recognize this and want to change that culture, but the real challenge that teachers are facing is, how do I make this manageable? And you hear consultants and gurus and sometimes even admin telling you, well, meet them where they are. And that's great advice, but the part that's missing is the how. How is one person supposed to manage the diverse needs of the entire class in a way that doesn't completely burn them out as a teacher? I mean, this is daunting and most people don't have a great answer for it. And districts don't provide the proper training. Now, what I found in my experience is that grading and equity oppose each other. It's not the only reason for inequitable practices, but it's one that classroom teachers have the most influence over. And even the more progressive grading models, while better, still disproportionately impact certain populations. Now, I, I know that not everyone can move away from grades or grading, but we can de-emphasize them and lessen their impact. So what can we do in our classroom to shift to more equitable practices? How can we assess in a way where we know what each student needs, right? How can we do that in a way that's sustainable? Well, a couple of things. The first thing that we can do is create clear learning targets and learning language that students can use for goal setting, self-assessment, and communication, right? we can also eliminate arbitrary deadlines for learning. So if we shift to a more skill-centered approach with content as the vehicle for teaching those skills, that allows learning to continue beyond the end of a unit. This also includes the role of homework. What is the purpose, right? Is it for practice? I mean, I don't even use the term homework anymore. I don't care where they get this practice, the type of practice is more important. Does a student require guided practice or are they ready to try things on their own and move towards independent practice, right? Um, and not everyone needs the same type of practice. And because of that, it's not scored. If I see that a student could use more practice, I'll suggest specific practice assignments for that student. So we also need to use all of these assessments as conversation starters. Where have students improved, right? What areas of opportunity still exist? And as we do that, 
move towards a strengths-based view of feedback. Celebrate the things that students can do and provide tips on how to make their work even better the next time they attempt that skill. And most importantly, I think, listen. Students will tell you exactly what they need. It might be through words or it might be through behavior. But we have to talk to our students regularly. You know, we have to let them know that we are committed to understanding them and helping them grow. We have to make them feel comfortable taking risks, getting out of their comfort zone, and growing as students. When they know you're there for them, they will respond. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing your feedback. For more resources, visit www.reimagineschools.com or reach out to me on Twitter at David Frangioso.